Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome to the Over the Cap podcast. It's a Wednesday night edition, September 21st, 2022, and this is Jason Fitzgerald. You can find me on Twitter at Jason underscore OTC, uh, or you can email me whenever you want, Jason at overthecap.com. Obviously, this is once again not a normal night for me to do the podcast, but last week was my daughter's uh, birthday last weekend. Um, so we kind of got filled up with the football games on Saturday and... Uh, her birthday then was on Sunday, plus the regular slate of football games and everything else. So kind of ended up taking me out of the weekend rotation. Uh, but happy birthday to Megan. For those who have uh, listened on and off for some time, uh, you know, I, I've broken through on the the podcast. You know, we used to do them for a while and stopped doing them for a little bit. Then I was doing my price for a little while and I stopped doing them for a little bit. But Megan used to hop on a lot. Um not so much anymore, but amazingly, Megan, who was hopping on and was probably like four or five years old when she would jump on there to say hello, is now 13. I mean, that that is crazy. Um, but yeah, that is just, uh, you know, you want to feel old and that's how it uh, that's how it happens, I guess, is when your kids become a teenager. Uh, as usual, Nellie the Bunny is here, uh, so we're in our regular recording spot. Hey, Nellie, anything? Nope. So we'll see if Nellie has anything later on. Nellie did not get a treat yet, so I'm sure Nellie in a little while will be begging for some food. Uh, since it's a Wednesday edition, we will not be doing a beer of the week. Uh, so just having a little cup of tea during this, and that'll be pretty much the only drink of the evening. So it was a wild week in football last week. Um, you know, it was it was so insane. Uh, you had these three games starting with the Jets, where they're just kind of miracles. And the the Jets game was an absolute miracle. I mean, it was it was the craziest ending that I'd ever seen to a football game. So Nick Chubb scores a touchdown with a little over two minutes left, like two minutes, two seconds, I think it was. Something somewhere around that, right around the two-minute warning. Uh, he scores a touchdown. And I'm actually about to tweet out, uh, you know, this is the best thing that could happen. This that, that was the best thing that could have happened to the Jets. And then I'm like, you know what? That just sounds stupid. I'm just going to have a bunch of people complaining that uh, I'm picking on the Jets again. So I didn't bother with that. I just put out a, hey, the Jets are alive. Um, Browns completely fall asleep on defense. Who knows what they're doing? Flacco hits the bomb to Corey Davis, where Davis doesn't have anyone, anyone even, even in the vicinity um, of where he's at. Waltzes into the end zone. The Jets amazingly recover an onside kick, and then they have the best drive of the game, uh, you know, for them. The, the offense did look better um, than it did the week before, but, I mean, it was just bang, bang, bang. You know, they, they just were hitting every single time, and didn't seem like there was any doubt that they were going to score a touchdown. Uh, they just caught that team shell-shocked, and then, you know, it was up to the defense to be able to make a stand, and luckily... You're going against uh, Jacoby Brissett, and that was enough to have him throw a really a bad pass that was right to Davis, and uh, he picks that off for. I, I think it's the most improbable win I've ever seen from the Jets, maybe that I've ever seen at all. You know, you, you get into these things, and you know, you had the Dolphins game and the Cardinals game that were that were crazy as well. Those games are like a little bit different, crazy, right? In the case of the Dolphins, you had a team that played awful for three quarters, basically the same thing as the the, the Cardinals. Yeah, you know, they just played lousy for three quarters. Other team kind of falls asleep, and you just play a perfect game for like the last fifteen minutes, 
everything falls into place. So the other team's playing pretty much as bad as they can play. You're playing perfect, and you win a crazy scoring game. Those games were a lot like what people were bringing up to me about the Jets game, the Monday Night Miracle. Um, That was a game where the Jets played awful for you know, 40 minutes or so. And then next thing you know, it was just, they just caught fire and they could do no wrong. And it's a very different kind of win because there's a lot that you can point to, um, you know, at the end of those games. But, you know, this was just, this was just crazy. And hopefully this will in some way, shape or form springboard the Jets uh, moving forward. If you're, you know, if you're a Jets fan, you're probably thinking that. Um, you know, the Dolphins one was wild. The Cardinals one was basically the Kyler Murray show. You've got this, this coaching staff at times is so bad in Arizona. I mean, seriously, you, you've got a two point conversion. You have to convert to get to overtime and you call timeout. It's fine. You know, that's what you should be doing. You know, you're talking it over, you're getting whatever you want to get in there. And then you get a delay of game. I don't know if that's on the coach. I don't know if that's on the quarterback. I don't know who it is, but that goes on the staff. You know, a lot of that stuff. Um, And the bad thing about games like this is it hides, you know, a lot of the bad that went on. Like if this was, if you were the old school football coach, if you were Bill Parcells, all right, and you win these games, you go into that press conference, you're probably pissed off, you know, because not, not because, you know, you, you just happen to win a game that doesn't make you happy. You're looking at the overall performance and going, we sucked. Like if we don't get this figured out, we're going to be a bad football team. And sometimes these wins hide that fact, you know, the Jets played pretty bad for 58 minutes. The, um... You know, the Dolphins played bad for 40 minutes, 45 minutes, something like that. Cardinals played pretty bad around the same amount. So just because the other teams also played, you know, really poorly, um, you know, it, it's it doesn't hide the fact that you played that poorly and just all the stars aligned. And, you know, then you, you go from there. So you, you want to see with each of these teams, how do you rebound from this? Now, I think the, the Jets play the Bengals this week. I'm kind of intrigued by this. I think that they match up very well against the Bengals. I think most people know I wasn't very high in the Bengals. It was a it was a, a walk of luck last year um, to get where they got, and they still have no offensive line now. Maybe it'll take some time. They did sign some players. Maybe it's just going to take some time for these guys to gel. But the Jets, who haven't had a pass rush at all, should be able to generate a pass rush against this football team. And you have to like the way the cornerbacks have played. You know, Reed and Gardner, um, you know, have looked pretty good. So, you know, you'd like to see how that matches up. And then obviously you, you want to see if Wilson, who really looks like a player, um, you know, Garrett Wilson here. It, it's the, he and Gardner are the first two picks I, I think the, the Jets have made since Joe Douglas has took over that actually look like they could be like star kind of players. Um, you know, his first draft is basically a washout. Second draft is kind of, nah, you know, whatever. You know, the, um, you know, people were bringing up names, because I, I mentioned this on Twitter, like Michael Carter. No, Michael Carter doesn't look like a superstar. And, you know, it, it's kind of hard to, you know, to be that kind of player. Um, 
you know, AVT, you know, he's fine. You're probably not going to have that kind of impact or be that level of player. And even if he is, you know, I'm, I'm going to go again on, on that. You know, you look at Quentin Nelson, you know, becomes the first $20 million a year guard, interior offensive lineman. The Colts suck. It doesn't matter how great he is. Because you're not gonna you're not gonna make a difference there, so you know very limited uh, chances of really making a difference. You need a lot of good players around you um, to be able to make a difference there. Um, you know, Moore looks pretty decent at wide receiver. He looks okay, uh, but you know Wilson, the way he he's been these first two games, um, you know, it's really been something. And you love the way he bounced back after dropping that ball, after having really a great game and dropping the football and just knew he felt terrible about it and then getting that redemption on that last drive where he just takes over, um, basically, you know. Um, but anyway, you know, you, you want to see how that matches up against Cincinnati, who's got to be desperate right now, um, you know, off the way that they've, they've started this season, which is just a... Um, incredible disappointment if you're a uh, if you're a Bengals fan, and the same goes for the other teams. Um, you know Miami, whose quarterback was just able to loft up passes because the wide receivers were getting so open. And I'm hoping to do some work on uh, wide receiver quarterback investment kind of stuff. Um, I thought uh, Timo Risk from uh, PFF made a good point where he was talking about uh, Devonte Adams and. Um, Tyreek Hill and you know it brought up the point that I brought up when the Raiders signed him Adams to that very large contract that you know Adams is going to have a tough time living up to it because Adams numbers and a lot of times the salaries you know especially if you're not play if your team isn't playing well which the Raiders you know aren't finding a way to win right now um if your numbers are not over the top and you have a salary that's over the top, you become a target uh, in the media. You become a target amongst fans, especially because you're not a homegrown player. And he's a player who dominates games if he can dominate target share. It's very hard to dominate target share the way that he did in Green Bay. Green Bay had very few other options and at a quarterback who was just zoned in on getting Adams the football. Carr is not that same level of quarterback. Um, you know, it, it's going to be difficult for Carr uh, with what he has. And that's not to say Carr's a bad quarterback, but he's not going to be able to just zero in on one guy and make it happen. He's going to make mistakes if he does that. Uh, and they do have, you know, other talented players. You know, they're paying $17 million a year to their tight end. It's That's a weird contract. So that's a, a little bit different as to how you want to look at that one. Um, but I, I think the, the point is, and th this is kind of some of the work that I'm trying to work on a little bit, but it's more just about overall investments. But, you know, you, you take a player like a Tyreek Hill uh, until his speed leaves him. Those types of players... When you pair them with a, a average quarterback or a below average, slightly below average quarterback, not a bad quarterback, you're not, if you have a bad quarterback, you're not going to have good receivers. It's very rare. And even if they do, overall impact on the game is going to be minimal. That, that I can tell you. Um, but if you go and you, you look at that, 
you know, Tyreek Hill being so wide open, you know, two is probably thinking he's back in college playing. Yeah, I'll just throw it up there and he's going to be so open that he can get it. And the thing is, you don't have to be perfect when you have those kind of players. Because all you have to do is hit a play and you're picking up huge chunk yardage. And so even though you might be inconsistent, you, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to be perfect. You, you just have to hit one or two of those shots and you're getting points on the board. It's a very different situation with Adams where, okay, if you are, even if you're utilizing him, you are still going to have to be pretty perfect because you're probably going to go 12 yards here, 15 yards there, 8 yards there, maybe a 19 somewhere. You can't afford to have plays that you miss. Now, when you're Aaron Rodgers, you're probably not going to miss a lot of plays. When you're Derek Carr, you're probably going to miss a couple. And that, that takes you from a, you know, a scoring drive to a non-scoring drive. But, you know, anyway, the uh, for these teams, you know, Miami, they have a big, big game coming up this week. How do they play in this game? You know, is it the Miami that looked like they were getting romped uh, by the Ravens? Or is it the Miami Dolphins that were there late in the game that just had guys running wide open for big plays? Um, you know, in Arizona, is Arizona just still going to look like a a lost old team with a quarterback? Or are they going to be, I don't know, a more energetic team with a quarterback that's just saving them? Uh, you know, th- th- there wasn't a lot there um, at Arizona in the little bits that I saw, even in their comeback. But, you know, th- those are questions that, you know, you, you have to ask. And if you come back the next week and you you go back to stinking, yeah, th- those miracle games don't mean anything. You know, th- there's not much that you're going to get out of those games. So I think this is a big test for all those teams. Now, the next thing that comes up is all the teams right now who are um, 0-2. Uh, you know, right now your worst value in the league is the Raiders. The Raiders have um, one of the more expensive overall rosters in the league um i think they were at 253 million um is where they're at let let me pull it up real quick yeah so the the raiders are the eighth highest valued team in the nfl uh 253.5 million per year in contracts on this team um you know that that's a that's a pretty big number uh and right now they're just not finding ways to win so you know you you have to be I think a little bit worried uh, if you're them, especially because there's so many questions about uh, the coach that they brought in. There's so many questions about the personnel and the contract decisions. Remember, this is a team that surprisingly extended Derek Carr. Now, it's it's a contract they can sort of get out of, but... They extended him to a big deal. They extended Waller to a pretty big deal. They signed Devontae Adams to a very big contract. Um, they extended Crosby on a really big contract. You know, they they went all in on a number of these players. And right now they're sitting there 0-2. Uh, next team that you probably really set the, the panic alarm for is Tennessee. Tennessee, who has... You know, I wasn't high on Tennessee this year. Um, that's another one 
So they're sitting there 18th in the league at 234.2 million. Yeah, I said Tennessee is a team that needed to kind of retool. Um, This was a team that needed to make changes, but they made weird changes. You know, you you give Derrick Henry a raise, and I'm still assuming that's because they needed to restructure for cap relief. But it's like you give him a raise, and at the same time, you trade your young wide receiver away. And, you know, to save money there, but you're bringing in an old beat up Robert Woods for like 10 million bucks this year or whatever his salary is. I think it's around that uh, for this season. It's like it just doesn't make sense, um, you know, for some of the stuff they've done. Plus, you've got injury issues and everything else. But this looks like a season where you're just going to regret, you know, a lot of stuff. I think that you you did in terms of trying to keep this little window open, uh, I guess going on the fact that you were the one seed last year. But you know it, it's just a it's a strange way, I think, of trying to um, build a football team. Uh, you have the Bengals at 0 and two, but the Bengals have no money invested in the team. Now they've been more active in free agency. But all their key positions are on rookie contracts. Obviously, there's going to be a lot of pressure on the coach. But at least you don't look at this as like a, a crazy um, spending situation, um, you know, with them. And so th- those are your teams that are really in trouble. Oh, uh, Atlanta. Atlanta's in the same boat. You know, they don't spend anything. The other one, I forgot completely about it, the Panthers. Panthers have a huge payroll this year. Uh, overall investment in the roster is 17th in the league at $238 million. Uh, right now, Matt Rule is probably not going to make it through the season. I'm not sure how many, how much more time he can make it through. There were questions last year about whether he wanted to be back. There were questions about whether they wanted him back. You know, when those questions start coming up and you end up firing a coach early, it, it just, it really sets you back. Um a lot as a franchise. And sometimes you, you just have to make those very difficult decisions, um, you know, right away. And they, they've kind of failed to do that. They, they failed, I think, to uh, address things properly. Um, you've got the Texans who are, I don't know what's going on with the Texans. Uh, Texans have a pretty low valued roster, but this is a team that is just, they're in a salary cap disaster, and it's not just the doing of you know the last regime. Some of this is their doing. Like this is just stuff that they're doing. I I don't really get it. They're restructuring everybody. So this week was Cooks. They've done like the punter, the kick. Like it's obscene what they're doing just to get through the season. It's just a it's a very strange thing, you know. If, if these guys there, uh, they better hope that there is a really, really, really long rope because they're not going to get an opportunity um, to see this through with the way that they've managed this. The way the way they've managed this team probably as bad as when Idzik was on the Jets and Idzik got those two years, and that was about it. Um, there. You know, the other team I think that you look at, and I know people are going to say the Browns, but the other team I think you, you really want to look at here is the Colts. And you have the Colts who are playing terrible football. They have the 13th um, valued roster in the NFL. 
Um, their cash spending this year. Let me see where they are. Let me see, because I, I think they're actually pretty high, and this is a team that's traditionally cheap. Uh, they're, they're a team usually that doesn't have a big payroll. Let's see where they're at. No, no, I'm wrong on this. Okay, so I'm thinking wrong. They're, they're, they're middle third towards the bottom in the league at two, uh, 220. I thought they were higher than that. Um, but no, I, I thought that they, they were higher. But, you know, you... I, I think, again, this is another one where you are going to start to question the decision-making that's gone on there. And the Colts were a basically a perennial team that was going to be like nine wins, ten wins, eight wins, like right around that mark. And they, they were stuck in this awful quarterback situation since Andrew Luck retired. And you look at the decision-making that was made there, and it's just terrible. You know, it's nearly $30 million spent on Jacoby Brissett. Ends up being a backup. You bring in Phillip Rivers. Okay, you give that a shot. Phillip Rivers doesn't want to come back. And you give away a first-round pick for Carson Wentz and all that money. You had to turn around and trade him for, what, two-thirds? So you gave up for a one who was devalued to, I think it was two-thirds um, by the next season. Like that's bad. That that that's bad management. And so now you get Matt Ryan, and you're learning about you know the decline of a quarterback who's 37 or 38 years old, and you've invested nothing, basically in your receivers. You know you you have, um, you know very little there. Let 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 me let me see where where they rank. Um, let me pull up my charts for them. These are the charts that I'll throw online sometimes. Someone was asking me about, actually a couple people did, I think, about putting them uh, putting them online. Um, and I, I got to see how we can do that. They Getting some of these, the visuals to show up on all the different formats is a little bit tough. But let, let me just pull up the Colts here. Colts. So the Colts have a ton of money invested in O-line. They have less than $10 million a year spent on wide receiver. Um, that's that's really bad. Um, let me let me even see if that, that's got to be lowest in the league, right? Oh, no, the Ravens are lower at 8.7. It's the only team lower. Uh, they're below average on edge. They're above average on quarterback. That's a little iffy because of the way they do it. Above average corner, above average interior defensive line. They're low on safety. That's fine. They're overpaying on linebacker. Uh, they're under on running back, under on tight end. Those are both fine. So overinvested in your interior line, overinvested in linebacker. Um, I'm not going to say overinvested in the offensive line, but way, way, way underinvested in wide receiver. And if you've got a ancient quarterback on there, you've got to give him players to work with. You know, I'm not saying you had to go out there and you, you had to buy, you know, the most expensive players in free agency, but you should have been making a play, um, you know, for some of these guys that came in that, you know, that kind of second tier, you know, the Juju Smith-Schusters, the um, 
Valdez Scantling types, you know, th- those types of players. Um, you know, and it, it's been it's kind of been a long story with with them. And I think a lot of it just seems to be that they don't have a budget to work with like a lot of these other teams. They're just very, very, very risk averse when it comes to free agency. And the drafts have not been good enough to make up for the fact that, um, you know, that they they can't go out there and attempt to hit in free agency. Now, free agency may only be a 25% chance of finding a player that gives you a return, um, but sometimes you got to take those chances, at least on a couple of players here and there, and they haven't done that at all. And I think that the... I kind of feel like the the overall performance is going to come... It's going to come more into light this year if the, the Colts end up having this season that's just terrible. And you just start to look at the way the teams have been put together and you just start to question, like, what is what is going wrong with this team? You know, and then you have the other end of the spectrum, which is the Eagles, uh, which was a team that I brought up during their... Um, their win the other day and you know the eagles are just doing this different than anyone else like that they are they're all in on the fact that their quarterback is dirt cheap and you're going to get this quarterback who's dirt cheap for at least another year and what's going to happen is even when he gets to an extension assuming they extend him uh you'll get a salary cap benefit for a year or two on an extension it's after that that the numbers kind of go haywire. And you look at Philadelphia, over-average offensive line, over-average wide receiver, way over-average edge spending, pretty far over-average corner spending, uh, over-average interior defensive line. And you know they, they do have one guy that can rush the passer um, coming out from there. Nothing on safety, nothing on linebacker, over-invested in tight end. I think that's a little questionable. Uh way under and running back and about average in special teams. Like that, to me, this is like your optimal roster construction. You know, could you be a little less on your offensive line? Yeah, you probably could be. Um, But you're looking at this and they are just, they're hitting all the important positions in the NFL. They're basically hitting every single one of them and they have the cheap quarterback that's there. Now, question is, what happens when that quarterback becomes expensive? Obviously, some of these other things are going to come down. The way that you do this, and I'm going to assume this is what they will do, is in the next year or two, you have to continue to draft wide receiver, cornerback, edge rusher. So this way, when Hertz goes up in the price you can start to say, okay, well, maybe it's time for Brown to slide off the team because we have a guy in his second year, you know, who's ready to take over, you know, at at your rusher spots, um, you know, whomever, you know, can slide off the team because, you know, we're bringing someone in, you know, Slay, it's time for him to move off the team because we have a young corner who's ready to kind of step in and you, you kind of reallocate. So your salary allocations at those positions will go down uh, because you're going from veterans to rookies and the rookies give you a, you know, a big salary um, decrease there. But when you're using those premium picks, those, those top picks in the first round um, that's there, in theory, you can replace that same performance. Um, 
But, you know, what people are going to harp on with them over and over and over again is, especially if they have a good year and let's say they fall short, well, they need a linebacker, they need a safety. No, they can find one of those players, all right? I'm not saying that you don't get them, but you don't bring in those players to sacrifice at these other positions. So I, I think the Eagles are just like brilliant with the, the way that they're doing this right now. Um, you know, I said it when Hertz got picked. When they picked him, it's a good pick. It has nothing to do with Hertz being what he is right now, which he looks terrific. You know, he looks like a star. It has to do with the fact that even if Hertz was um, the backup quarterback, you basically were going to have a backup that was going to cost you a million bucks a year, a million five a year versus five million a year. So when you had your Carson Wentz at $30 million or $32 million, at least you were saving yourself $4 million or so a year by not having to go in there and have a, a quote-unquote name backup, all right? Because you had the cheap player that you could have in there as a backup. And if he can come in and, you know, play a little bit, uh, you know, especially because Wentz was so injury-prone, like, you know, that, that, that more than justifies making that pick in the second round. Um, so, you know, now obviously it's completely paid off for them because it allowed them to move on from the, the busted, uh, quarterback where they made a mistake and have somebody that they can slot in. Um, you know, so I, I just think the Eagles are, um, you know, just, just doing things different than everyone else, uh, really is. I mean, another team doing it different than everyone else is Seattle. I'll pick on Seattle for a minute. Um, Seattle is way over-invested in wide receiver, way under-invested at quarterback. And unlike the Eagles, they don't have like a prospect that's in there. They, they have like a ultimate journeyman playing quarterback. It, that That's like an awful match. And you've got your underspending on your offensive line with a journeyman quarterback. It's like th this is recipe for disaster. Um, you know, when you see this. You look at the rest of the team, super over in safety, big time over interior defensive line, over on tight end, about a little under average in running back, way high in special teams. It's like this is, I don't know what this is. Um, you know, they're, they're going to have a, probably have a tough time. Um, you know, there's something here to, to look at, um, you know, to say that maybe there, there were some decisions you wish you had back and you wanted to go in a different direction. Um, but, you know, it, it is what it is. And obviously, they're, they're, it, this is a situation where they're probably okay with where they're at now because they're going to have all these draft picks, whereas Denver's struggling with Wilson, um, with everybody right now all over the head coach, all over Russell Wilson. I think Russell Wilson will be fine. I think the Broncos made a mistake in extending Russell Wilson. Said it when they did it. You, you want to see the player first. I think they made a mistake never utilizing him in the preseason. Remember all that nonsense about mental reps. Like, they've never seen anyone sit there and take mental reps the way he was taking it. Like, he's just visualizing these plays and acting it out, and it's amazing. And then you watch him in a game, and okay, maybe the mental rep is not actually carrying over to the actual rep. So I think he just needs more work in their offense, more work in their system. Um you know, and maybe they'll get some some stuff straightened out uh, over there. But that that was probably a uh, you know a questionable decision. 
Um, you know, in the last week, we had a couple of contracts, and I think we're pretty much done now. So for 2023, I will bring the carryover for um, for these teams. I'll bring that over by the weekend. So 2023 by Sunday uh, should reflect the estimated carryover as it stands right now um, for 2022. Um, I'm just looking to see if there was anything interesting with any of these recent contracts that came down, but not really. You know, Nel- Nelson's uh, deal is 80. Uh, 80 over 4, 20, um, 41, fully guaranteed. The The contract clearly was based on the right tackle market, and it was, um, you know, it's going to trail Ramcheck a little bit, I believe, in the yearlies, uh, but the, eventually it'll jump over that to hit that 20 million number. It'll be a little bit of time before the other guards catch up to it. I, I don't know if this is going to have a profound effect on the overall market my guess is it's just going to be like a big cap on the market for probably two years um you know until somebody else comes along who's like a dominant player and you know kind of has a team over a barrel because they they just need to extend one of their own guys uh waller gets 17 a year and that's just a um eh, it's a it's a whatever deal it's not a big raise i talked about this one i think a couple weeks ago you know it's Couple bucks um, now and then more later. Eric McCoy in New Orleans uh, gets twelve a year. Eh, that's okay. They but I don't know. That, New Orleans is a team that's in trouble too. Um, yeah, they they just don't have they just don't have the the players on offense and they they've got way too much um, that's being kind of pushed on offense right now, and you know that that's going to be an issue for them. Um, you know, the, the team that I got a lot of questions about this week was actually the Dallas Cowboys. And, um, you know, now obviously the, the questions that I got about them were before, uh, they won their game. You know, it was with Prescott getting hurt. Um, Dallas, when you compare Dallas to Philadelphia, um, Dallas had the same benefit as Philadelphia, you know, a couple years ago when they they drafted Dak Prescott. Dallas just didn't handle it the same way. You know, Philadelphia, you you see Philadelphia going out and making a couple of big trades. Um, Those trades might lead to big contract extensions, Um, you know, a couple of free agents that they bring in. Dallas didn't really do any of that. And you know, there was a time where I defended Dallas, and I said, you know, Dak Prescott got you got them out of a salary cap hole because they needed to get out of the Romo deal, they needed to get out of the Des Bryant deal, they needed to do all those things. Philadelphia was in the same spot. You know, they had to get out of Alshon Jeffrey, they had to get out of Carson Wentz, they had to get out of all those players, and you know, they've been able to navigate a path to where they're able to keep a good, solid roster. Um, you know, while purging the bad contracts and bringing in a young quarterback who is effective. And Dallas just completely missed that window. They really did. You know, they, they, they brought in Cooper at the end of it, but then it was like everybody's a free agent at the same time. And, you know, that, that, that changes the, the complexion that you can have from a team. And then on top of that, Dallas just doesn't go into free agency. It, it is, they are petrified of free agency. You know, unless the player is dirt cheap in free agency, they're not going to go after him. And, 
they've become a prisoner to, to bad contract decisions. Um, you know, it's like Dallas gets emotionally attached to certain players and, you know, you kind of get carried away. You know, Elliot, um, Jalen Smith, even Lael Collins. You know, these are, these are players where you, you know, and maybe, maybe it's a negative with Jerry because Jerry, I think, got emotionally attached to his guys in the 90s. But those guys were all great football players. These guys were not that level of player. And remember, all those players broke down. And Dallas had to go through some real tough times navigating all those salary cap problems. But, um, you know, Dallas this year, like people are like, well, why isn't Dallas spending their, their salary cap dollars? They have the second second or third most in the NFL right now. It's like 11 million bucks. Um, you know, they, they could have restructured. You know, if you look, Ezekiel Elliott's got a, a P5, a 12-4. They could have tried to do something with Dalton Schultz, who's at 10-9. You know, they could have made even more cap space. And it's like Dallas, Dallas is focused right now on 2023. Dallas only has $4 million in cap room. Prescott's got a $49 million cap number. He's going to be begging for an extension, even coming off injury. You know, you, you, you've got to get rid of Elliott, but you're only going to save like four or five. You know, you, you'll probably end up keeping him on the team and bringing his salary down unless you get creative. Um, you know, Smith might be gone at this point, um, you know, with all the injuries. Probably made a mistake with keeping Demarcus Lawrence at the numbers they did. It's like... You know, that's another one. It's like you were unhappy with the performance. And that that's not to say he was bad. It was just, you know, the value that you're getting probably for the salary you're paying, um, you know, maybe isn't worth it for your team. And you go in and all you just do is basically a minor change in the money and it makes it much more difficult to move on. And again, not saying there's anything bad about him as a player. There's not. But you, you, you lock yourself in that the only way you can make a move is via trade or another kind of contract extension to bring cap numbers down. And again, I, I think it's just getting emotionally attached. Like, ah, oh, you know, we, we've loved this guy for so long and, you know, we, we don't want to let him go. And th- there was probably a point in time where, you know, in the best interests of the team overall was maybe to consider trying to see if there was a trade market. And if not, maybe you wanted to move on because again, if you're going to be in a position where you become prisoner to your salary cap, that's not building a football team. You know, that's, that's not building a winner that that's not going to give you that opportunity to do that. And, you know, a lot of times I I think teams, have a difficult time with the exception of Belichick, um, you know, in his peak, they have a difficult time moving on from certain players, you know, and then a new GM comes in and they purge a roster and you're like, wow, you know, they, they had no attachment and it's like the, the last GM probably shouldn't have either. You know, there should have been a couple of players on a team where, you know, maybe it was just time. You know, it was time to move on. It, it was time to you know, do that. Minnesota had that same problem. 
right? Minnesota was like extending these guys with two years left on their deals. They never made it to those extension years. You know, because they, they were just pointless extensions. Um, you know, because it was a, it was like a long-term vision on what are short-term careers. Um, you know, and I, I just think Dallas has just, just kind of screwed up in that regard. Um, so, you know, I think if Dallas wants to, um, you know, really kind of take a step forward uh, in the future. And it's going to be tough with the contracts um, right now. They're, they're going to have to, to do that. I think Dallas has to take a, a very, very long look at what some of the other successful teams in the NFL are doing. Um, you know, the, the, the teams, and I'm not going to say that this is just a salary cap thing, but I think if you look at front offices right now, the teams that I would want to look at, I think, are the Eagles. Um, I would probably look at the Rams, even though the Rams are a little bit different than some other teams. Uh, I, I think I would look at that those teams. Um, you know, the Buccaneers are just a team that was successful. I'd probably look at the 49ers um, to see what, what they've done. Uh, and I would study the Buffalo Bills. And... Uh, yeah, and probably the Kansas City Chiefs. And, you know, obviously it's tough when you say Chiefs and Bills because they, they have those quarterbacks there. But I, I would look at those teams. You know, the, the Bills got through a salary cap nightmare, um, you know, to, to build up their franchise. But, you know, I, I think I'd be studying those teams. I'd be seeing what they've done in the draft, what they've done with extensions, what they've done with free agency, what they've done with decisions, um, of when it's time to move on. Like, have they been able to make those hard decisions? Obviously, Kansas City has, um, you know, and how they've been able to um, make those decisions become better assets for them in the future. You know, if I'm, if I'm Dallas, I, I think that's what I need to look at. Because, you know, following the same kind of thing that you've, you've done for, at this point, you know, it's probably 10 years. Uh, I'm going to say it's since 2011, 2012, where they, they kind of stopped with the free agency stuff, with the exception of uh, that Greg Hardy signing, um, whatever year that was, 2015. Uh, but not a lot that they did other than that. Um, you know, I, I think I would just look at those teams and, you know, just, just say, okay, it doesn't have to be like before where we were focused maybe too much on free agency. And too much on kicking the can on certain players and yada yada, you know, all that kind of stuff. But it, you've gotta, you've gotta get with what some of these other successful teams are doing to, you know, try to take a, the next step, um, you know, ahead. And you know the, the what they're what they're doing in Dallas right now. And I know they won the game this week, but. It doesn't seem like it's a long term, like it's a it's a viable approach to probably even the short term, um, you know, of maximizing the potential that you have with a roster. Um, you know, I, I I just don't think it is. But you know, I've gotten a lot of questions about them, and uh, maybe one of these weeks we'll do like a deeper dive on some of the decision making that they've done. But uh, 
Yeah, they're, they're, they're a team that really needs to, you know, step back and just reevaluate. And I, I think that would help a lot of teams out. I'm not saying that it's just Dallas that needs to do that. I think when you look at a lot of these teams, you know, like the Falcons, for example, the Falcons probably wouldn't be in the position that they're in if a couple years ago you just kind of took a, a big step back off that Super Bowl loss and just started to look at the team and say, okay, what, how do we get, you know, how do we move forward from here for a longer term versus just a very short term approach? Um, you know, I, I think that would be, you know, that, that that's an example of a team that would be that way. You know, the Giants, obviously, with all the stuff they've done. Um, you know, so I, I think a lot of teams would benefit from an outside perspective. Uh, but look and looking at it, but you know it, it's hard because you are basically going to have somebody that critiques what you do, and you know you you might not like those critiques, you know, or you might say that those critiques don't make sense because they're coming from a non-football person or someone that's not in your building and doesn't have the access to the things you have. Yeah, that that's the way that that. Uh, that that seems to go. All right, let's take a look at questions for this week, and we'll call it a day. Um, let's see. I just asked one time for questions, so let's pull them up. All right. Wes says, who are the top five worst cap contracts in the NFL? <laughs> Please don't all say they're on the Giants. Oh, gosh. Um so, well, Kenny Galladay is obviously one of the, the worst contracts in the NFL. Um, let's see. Who who else would I put in there right now? That's a tough one. Um, you know, Bud Dupree. That that's now that that's a the Bud Dupree one is a little bit more hindsight analysis, but obviously I, I think if you, you look at that one, um you know that that's clearly one right now. Um, let's see, who are some other guys that have like a lot of, you know, big numbers? Uh, I'm not a fan of the Wilson thing, but that that is kind of what it is. Um, David and Joku in Cleveland—that's a terrible deal. Didn't make any sense. Well, this guy, he's just not a difference maker. He, he dropped some passes against the Jets. Um, you know, he, he's way overpaid. Um, again, this is all injury related, but Ronnie Stanley, David Bakhtiari. I mean, th those are two deals where, you know, if those two teams had waited just a minute, they're probably not doing those contracts. Um you know, Jamal Adams. Jamal Adams was a bad deal when it was done. It's even awful, awfuler. <laughs> it's even a worse deal now. Um, you know, the, the, those are some of the worst contracts in the NFL um, right now. I'm sure there's some others that I'm just not, uh, you know, thinking of. I'm just trying to quickly look through um, some of the deals. But, I, I mean, I, I think those are the guys who I, I'd probably say stand out right now. As, um, you know, there, there, there were questions, at least, you know, maybe some questions to, um, you know, when you did those deals. 
and you know certainly they've uh, they they've all kind of blown up in their faces, um, you know, for a lot of the teams. Uh, Chuck, if the Giants traded Galladay based on his contract, how much dead money would the other team incur if they cut him before next uh, year's league year? If I'm not mistaken, it'd just be 4.5. So, yeah, if the Giants found a sucker to trade for Galladay, the team would only owe him 4.5 next year. But, um, you know, obviously they'd be picking up salary this year. So it's not just a 4.5 million investment. It's 4.5 million plus whatever you paid him this year. Uh, you know, I would imagine the Giants would have to eat most of it, but you know that that's that's what it was. The Giants could not, you know, since people have talked about this, the Giants could not cut Kenny Galladay. Um, Kenny Galladay, if the Giants cut him, the Giants don't have the cap room to do it. They'd have to restructure another contract. Uh, right now, the Giants have about four and a half, uh, five and a half million, I think, in cap space. If they cut him, they would lose an additional 4-5, I believe, because I don't think he has um, too many per-gamers that had come off. Uh, I, I Maybe he does. Maybe he played more last year than I'm thinking. Um, you know, and then you would replace him with somebody, and you, you'd basically have no cap room. So there, there's really not a way to do it Unless, again, you restructured it, meaning you converted the rest of his salary to a bonus, so you dump it all to next year. Um, yeah, so, I mean, it's a, that's just, it's just a bad situation. I don't understand why they didn't try and play him. Uh, I don't believe there's extra injury guarantees. I think what's guaranteed is guaranteed next year. Uh, maybe they're just hoping he'll demand a trade and demand out and give them some kind of leeway. You know, last year, Beckham... Uh, you know, had a situation with the Browns. And basically, I, I think, I, I don't remember exactly what happened there. I don't remember if Beckham gave up his guarantee or he gave up his right to termination pay. I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but maybe you'd have a situation like that where he would give up his right to termination pay. Um you know, and you you'd still could maybe offset some of the salary if he signed for another t- with another team. You know, if that's what they did with Beckham, maybe. Uh, I don't know. Uh, let's see. Do you think Adnan Syed did it? I have no idea uh, if he did or didn't. It just sounds as if it was a um, shoddy investigation where they just decided it was done and if there was any type of evidence that could have said maybe he didn't do it that uh it was withheld but i have no idea other than that other than they you know it's i understand you know you're cops and whatever and you've got jobs to do and i'm sure you you have intuitions about stuff and everything but the, the system shouldn't be that you just want to solve something and as a prosecutor you just want to make sure you get a conviction um you know and and it's a problem with the the justice system uh all the time you know the 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 right thing is finding out who did a crime and then determining you know what's the the proper punishment for it but um you know the the rush to judgment sometimes in a lot of these trials you know it's not it's not right. Um, you know, it's not right. It's not fair. And even though it might take longer for a lot of these things, you know, p- 
people going to prison that don't belong in prison. It, it's it's just ridiculous. Uh, True Big Blue. Why does DeAndre Baker have 190K in dead cap for the Giants? Um, so Baker filed a grievance, um, if I remember right, when the Giants cut him. And basically it was settled for that amount of money. Uh, you know, and I, I don't remember the particulars of it. Maybe that's what they owed him for that year. Um, but that, that was the gist of it. Uh, John Richardson, uh, what's Josh Jacobs value on the open market this season? Um, I don't think much. Um, you know, if you, let me just pull up what he's done this year. You know, he didn't get his option picked up. Uh, you know, he's got about 60%, 65% playing time, 126 yards. Uh, you know, he's, you know, very minor receiving threat, which is, you know, kind of a bigger deal. His numbers have dropped every year. Um, you know, when he was first drafted, they try to make him more of a focal point and just kind of, you know, kind of fell off from there. So, you know, all your big contracts at that position are all extensions, right? McCaffrey, Elliott, Kamara, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Joe Mixon. Uh, Aaron Jones went to free agency, but obviously signs with the same team. So, you know, you'd have the ridiculousness of James Conner at $7 million a year. Um, that was that was your highest priced UFA. You had Leonard Fournette at seven, but that was also kind of a re-signing. Hines is a re-signing. That was a terrible deal. Um Eckler's at six, Edmonds at six. You know, I mean, the, the upside would probably be Edmonds at six, but you know, I, he doesn't have. I, I don't see that receiving ability um, that's there. You know, you have Penny at five seven five. That's just Seattle being Seattle. Um, Gus Edwards at four. <sighs> I don't know. You know, I I probably stick him five to six million a year, but I I, I can't imagine it's going to be easy for him to, to find a job. Like, I would not be surprised if this ends up being like, um, uh, what what's Melvin Gordon at right now? He's at uh, two five. Yeah, two five for him. So you know, now Gordon's been around longer, but I, I would not be surprised if you have that because. I don't think people are going to care about um, where Jacobs was drafted. And, you know, just just watching the way those numbers have kind of dropped, um, I think he might have trouble. You know, I, I don't think it's going to be you, you find the sucker that does the James Conner deal. But, you know, maybe he can find five to six on like a two-year contract. You know, Kenyon Drake probably got that from the Raiders. Um, you know, it was around that number. Uh, so maybe that's where it'll be. Dune, what does a contract renewal for Jalen Hurts look like? Um, right now, you know, if he were to keep this up, uh, I would guess. Um, I mean, it's Philadelphia. Uh, 50, 50 or 51 a year, I would guess is what it would be. I, I think... The thing that Philadelphia is going to do this time, I don't think Philadelphia, you know, with Wentz, Philadelphia took a little bit of a different approach. Philadelphia went with the ultra-high kind of guarantee uh, with the minimal year commitment, but, um, you know, it became hard to get out of 
because they, they wanted to get a lower annual value on the deal. So they, they probably over-guaranteed it based on the amount of years that they were getting and what was uh, representative of the market at the time. But what they did was it prevented them from resetting the market at that position, doing like a five-year deal for, um, you know, that probably would have been like $36, $37 million a year. If I'm Philadelphia, I, I would rather get the longer commitment here um, fight a little bit on the structure and deal, you know, I, I don't care. He's my quarterback. I'll pay him 50 million bucks a year, you know, unless, unless I'm really that worried about how he's going to hold up, in which case you're going to do what's going on maybe with Lamar Jackson in Baltimore and you go franchise tag route. Uh, but I, I think right now, if you're Philadelphia, you probably look to, ex- if he keeps playing this way, probably will look to extend after three. But I, I think you want to look at a six-year deal and do you can do a vesting, um, you know, guarantee schedule like some of these other guys. You know, you, you could you could do that. You know, where the, the guarantees kick every year. Uh, but I, I would try to to come up with a way to to leave myself a little bit more leeway if I do have to trade him or cut him, uh, more so trade to where it's just not going to cost me as much on the cap as it did with. Um, with Wentz. So I, I think I would probably look for, um, you know, just a little bit of a different structure. I I don't think I would follow the same thing. Uh, Ricker 81, Daniel Jones, Saquon, Leonard Williams, how likely is each to be on the Giants in 2023? How would you handle it? Uh, Thomas McKinney, likely extensions in 2023. Is there anything that can be done this year when it comes to Galladay? So with Galladay, I think the only thing that you can do is, uh, so I'll start with that. I think the only thing that you can do is either prepay a bunch of the contract and cut him, go to the agent and say, look, we'll let him become a free agent. You just have to give us some relief on certain things from this year in terms of um, termination pay, you know, something like that. Um, you know, I, I would guess that would be the the only things they could do. Um, you know, I mean, you could try to trade him and pay off you know, 90% of the guarantee, uh, you know, that's a possibility as well. Um, Daniel Jones, I don't think there's any reason for him to be back. I, I think that you'd be better off just getting anybody, um, you know, and sticking him in there and then hoping you can draft somebody. Uh, Barkley, I would say, is iffy. Um, you know, he looks like he's back. He is a fan favorite. That There could be some pressure from ownership that the kids love Barkley. He could be a face of a franchise while we develop another quarterback. So I I could see business reasons to keep Saquon Barkley if he's healthy and he looks good. Um, You know, as long, again, as the contract is reasonable. And I I don't know what that number would be because unlike Jacobs, Barkley would have some value if he has a a big year um, as a free agent. There, There are teams... I think that would pay him something, um, you know, if they believe he's healthy and, you know, that, that he's back. Um, I think they'd be cautious with guarantees with him, but I think they'd be willing to do that. But I, I could see a scenario where he's back. Um, Leonard Williams, ooh, gosh, what's the cost? If the if the cap is reasonable to get rid of him, I think they will get rid of him. Uh, off the top of my head, let's see. Because I know they had to restructure him. So next year, yeah, the dead... 
it's 20.2 million. Um, wow. Yeah, I, oh gosh, that, that's going to be a really tough decision. You know, if it, if it was, you know, just in terms of, um, building for the future, I would say no. Um, so I, I think what I would do is I'd let Jones walk, um, you know, or, you know, if he wants to come back for the minimum, compete for a job, fine, whatever. I think I, I would probably see what Barkley was going to look for. Um, I think if you could get him at like $8 million a year or less, I, I could see a, I could see the reasons for keeping him. Um, for Williams, you know, I, I think the way that I, I would look at it is I, I'd probably look at it and say, okay, he's going to be a free agent in 2024. You know, maybe he'd get us like a fifth round draft pick at that point in time, maybe. So I, I think if I could trade him for a five or a six, even though I'm going to take a $20 million cap hit next year, look, I'm going to have a huge cap hit if he's on the team anyway. This is actually $10 million less than that. So really, I'm saving his whole salary for the year, which is $18 million. I think I would probably look to do that. I, I think I would, I would look to trade if there is no trade market. Um, so what, I, what I'm doing here, if I'm the Giants, uh, I'm exploring trades in February. And if there is no trade market, if no one is going to give me like a, a sixth round pick to take his contract off my hands, uh, I'm going to go to him and I am going to try to do what the Eagles did with a lot of players. And I'm going to go and I'm going to say, hey, listen, um, you know, I, we need to do something with your deal. You know, we, we need to find a way to make this work. And actually, I'm I'm off on my timeline on this. You'd have to explore the trades now, um, you know, to, to do what I'm about to say. So you'd actually have to explore trading what the trade would be now, um, you know, if, if you could move them. And you know what? Maybe it wouldn't be in a bad, a bad spot for the Giants to try to move them now. They already paid off his contract for the year. So maybe you could get a high pick. But yeah, it, it would probably actually be exploring now what the trade market would be for him probably next year. And if the trade market doesn't look like it's going to materialize, what you have to do at the end of this year um, is actually go in there and say, look, here's the deal. We're going to knock your salary down next year to the minimum. Uh, we're going to make that void year in 2024. Uh, we'll throw in like a $50 million salary and that salary will be guaranteed if you are on the roster um, second day of the league year. Basically, all you're doing is you're you're going to June want them. So instead of carrying 20 dead next year, you'll carry 14-3. And then the following year, you'll have a 5-9 cap charge for him. I think that might be more what I would lean towards doing. Uh, what are the Giants 2023 cap situation like? I mean, their cap is okay. They gain 10, they'd be at 65. Uh, they, I don't know. I, I But yeah, I, I don't think Leonard Williams would be on the team next year if it was uh, my decision. Um, I think that's that's what I would do. Um, other extensions, I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure what the, the Giants policy is going to be with that stuff. 
Uh, Jordan, uh, what's a Dolphins cap situation for 2023? I know it's in the red, so let's see. Miami. So Miami will have... Let's see, where's the Dolphins? So they have about six they'll carry over. Um, so they'll, they'll be... So just to start with, they'll actually end up being, even after they sign their futures players, they'll probably have about four or five million in cap room. Um, you know, once we get that carry over in there. So if you look at, you know, their roster here, um, let's look at 2023. Uh, Baker, you know, they, they can restructure Tyree Kill for cap room if they want to. Byron Jones for cap room. Um, Christian Wilkins, you can extend for cap space. Um, you know, they, they're not going to have a lot of cap room next year. Um, there's not a lot of places they can go, but they can get themselves in a position to where they could probably get like 20 million under. Uh, 25 maybe um, you know and then there's certain there's there's a couple players they could you know move on from like a uh, um, you know if they if they wanted to try to I, I don't think they'd move from Baker right now but um, you know somebody like that um, you know if they they just wanted to just clear out cap room because they had something you know really on their mind that they wanted to do but you know more, more likely they, they would go to a lot of these players that he would be, um, no, that, that's actually a prorated bonus, I think, on there. I'd have to go back and look at his uh, his numbers. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they, they could restructure there, too, to gain some cap room. So, yeah, I mean, they, they, they could probably get 20 to 30. It's just, like, how long do you want to lock yourself into all of these specific players? Um but they do, they do have some flexibility. I, I would look at them as saying, like, we obviously they're going to be hurt a little bit on some of the draft picks, the, the depth of draft picks that they could have. But um, I think you'd look at it, it's like, okay, well, you know, we, we've got a pick or two here and there, and we can probably add one piece. And your decision is, do you want to add one piece who maybe you project to be a decent piece or... Are you adding, you know, a couple of depth guys that you can uh, fill out? Matesh, uh, if I'm pronouncing that right, you believe uh, Joe Douglas' job security is in question if the season unravels in the end? Yes, I do. Um, you know, if if the Jets um, finish the season four or five wins and Zach Wilson looks terrible, uh, I think he would have a, a he might not come back. Um, if the Jets finish with over six wins. And Wilson looks terrible. Uh, I'm pretty positive he'd be back. I mean, may, maybe if you're between six and eight wins, and let's say Flacco rattles off two of them, and Wilson is really bad this season, maybe you put a question mark. But I, I think it would be more um, talk show talk uh, versus any kind of action that was taken by the Jets. So I think that, I think the Jets need to win. I think, I think as long as they win six, certainly if they win seven, I, I think his job is going to be safe. I, I think it's that under that mark is where the, the trouble comes in. 
any reason uh, Texans spacing out restructures as the season goes on instead of all at once? I have no idea. It, it's just... I think they're they're just doing stuff as they need room. I, I don't think there's any plan. Um, it, it's just... it's Everything has been so weird with the way that they've moved some, doubled and tripled down on others. It, it's just... It's a wacky roster. Um, it, it's a it's a team that's gotten worse uh, while trying to rebuild. Like I, I I just can't explain anything that they do right now. Um, so everything is based on the faith in using the Browns draft picks. I mean that that's basically uh, what it is at this point because I don't think there's anything right now that that's happened that would make you feel in any way shape or form even going to the head coaching search i don't think there is anything that would make you feel positive about the houston texans maybe that that'll change midway through the year maybe some guys will flash but um right now it's just seems like in over your head um with everything and you're, you're maybe it's him micromanaging um, but whatever it is, it's, it's weird. Uh, Mr. Newman, what's the difference in Jimmy G's projected salary with the injury to Trey Lance? Yeah, that, that I didn't talk about that. That was, that's uh, too bad. Um, you know, for that injury, it's his career at this point looks like it's just going to be a, a dud. Um, there was so much negativity on him last year. So much negativity this year. Now he suffers an awful injury. He doesn't even get a chance to prove it. Um, he goes down and, you know, immediately he goes down and people are like, okay, good. This gives you a better chance of winning. Um, it, it, it's it's awful. You feel bad for him. Um, the 49ers, yeah, they're, they're going to end up I talked about this, the the way his contract was structured. They, they kind of did it in a way to where um, it won't murder them next year if, if he happens to play a lot. Uh, but basically, let's let me pull up his Jimmy Garoppolo. Whoops. All right, so... His the base value of his contract is seven million. So that assuming he doesn't get hurt, he'll get seven million bucks. So um he gets two hundred fifty thousand dollars for every game he plays at least twenty-five percent of the snaps. So at this point, you know, that that's gonna be sixteen games, right? So that's an extra four million right there that he's gonna earn. Uh but 375 is already baked into the cap. Uh, he gets 100,000 for every game that he plays uh, and the team wins. So, you know, that that's going to be dependent on whatever, but 900,000 is already counting on the cap. So if he wins nine games, that's that's a break even. Uh, but let, let's give him, you know, so let's give him 4 million in the one. We'll give him a million here. Uh, you know, then then you get into playoff incentives, which is basically five hundred thousand for playing in a playoff game, uh, five hundred thousand for playing in a conference championship game, 
500,000 for conference championship win and a million bucks if he plays in the Super Bowl. So, you know, th- those are all long shots. Um, those, so I, I would look at it and say, um, you know, right now, gosh, I, I'd probably put his max at 12, 5, 13 million. Uh, I think is, you know, what that would be. Um, yeah, I, I think that's that's probably what it would be. It'd be right around there, unless they have a fantastic season. You know, I mean, there, there's a chance for more, but I think that's what it'll be. And it's all basically going to count on the cap, so that it's not going to hurt them next year. Um, you know, so... He's going to earn more money, but cap-wise, it's really not going to change too much for San Francisco. Mark says, what are some common cap uh, philosophies? For example, Patriots seem to like a large middle class. They like a large, eh, maybe you'd say middle. They used to. I'd say a middle, a lower middle class. The Rams get real top-end guys. Some teams just pay guys they like, worry about the rest later. Um, yeah, you know, that that's a really good question. That's more of a, I think, a topic. Um, so I, I think what you look at are teams that are um, cash-based teams, you know, teams that don't use a lot of signing bonus money. You know, the Buccaneers used to be the model for that. Now they're not. You have the teams like the Eagles and the Buccaneers and the Saints that are void year happy. Um, you know, Lions, I think, are slowly getting into that too. It's like a lot of void years pushing out cap hits, you know, doing that kind of stuff. Um, you have teams that, don't mind paying free agents, you know, the Jets, the Bengals somehow fit into that category now. Then you have teams like the Cowboys that are petrified of free agents. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd have to sit down. You used to be able to put teams in like four buckets. Now that's a lot harder to do. There, there's like a lot of um, a lot of different approaches that some of these teams take. You know, your traditional approach is still the Steelers um, where, you know, you're just signing a guy, giving him a bonus and... You know, every year is uh, salary. You know that that's that's how it goes. But yeah, that that's a good one. Um, that that's a good question. We'll we'll do that as a topic one of these weeks. Uh, just maybe remind me on Twitter. Uh, Proud Black Matt, uh, did you buy the you can't judge a GM until several years into their contract argument? Do you think their moves can be judged immediately? It's enough time passed to evaluate Joe Douglas, who is year three and a half um, since he started in 2019. Yeah, two years is enough. Um, it really is. I mean, you, you can, you at least should be able to get an idea for what, I'm not saying you fire them after two years, unless they're just a, a total cluster. Um, you know, you, you should have enough time to see what they're doing draft wise, you know, philosophy wise with the way they're approaching it, the way they're approaching free agency, how they've handled their salary cap, um, moves that have already blown up in a positive or negative manner. Um, so I, I think two years is enough to um, get a good idea for the job that the, the, the person is doing, but it probably takes three years before I think you can make that decision to fire or not to fire. Um, I, I think that, that's probably the um, right way to do it. But I don't think it's unfair in any way, shape, or form uh, the way many people seem to, that after two years, you can't be critical of somebody's performance. That, uh, you know, they, they, that 
you know, oh, you got to wait and see. It, it takes that much time. And, you know, things can change, um, you know, and obviously a second class, um, you know, in that second year could be much better. But, you know, I, I think two years, you, you can start to form a pretty strong opinion as to the the pluses and minuses of the uh, general manager. And I think after the third year, you, you can make that decision to, um, you know, to move on. Remember, the NFL basically functions now in two to at the most three-year cycles. The amount of turnover on a team is that great, um, you know, every single year. And if you give somebody extra time, uh, whether it's a coach um, or whether it's a general manager, they can set you back because, you know, they're adding another layer onto the team that now you just, you have to be able to get rid of. You got to be able to deal with and then get rid of like the Giants right now, right? It's like this first year, they have to deal with mistakes from last year. Mistakes in signings, mistakes with the contracts themselves, the salary cap situation. They have to deal with all that because everybody wanted to give Gettleman another year. So it just, it sets you back further, right? The Bears got set back further by giving Ryan Pace an extra year. The Panthers are probably going to get set back further. Now, I know theirs is a little bit different, but they're probably going to get set back further uh, by giving, in this case, I guess the coach an extra year. Um, so I, I think you, you need to be cognizant of that. And you, you just have to be aware, especially if people make dumb moves sometimes, um, towards the end of their runs, even though they know they're going to get fired and you'll see him sign a contract that just makes no sense. Eh, we'll do an extension with this guy. Like, what? You know, what, what are you thinking? Like, what are you doing? Like, why, why are you allowed to do that? Um, so, no, I, I think that, uh, you know, that's the way that you would do it. And quite frankly, you know, if a guy has not done good for two, three years, um, you know, what What would make you think it's going to be better in year four? And, you know, uh, making the play, even making the playoffs one time, you know, that was the Mike McCagna thing. Well, he almost made the playoffs in 2015. Every team makes the playoffs every couple of years. You've done a good job when you make the playoffs year after year after year. When you're a perennial playoff contender, you've done a good job. You know, now, you can criticize the, the Jets in the 2000s for a number of reasons. But, uh, you know, Terry Bradway and Mike Tannenbaum, for the most part, did good jobs. When the bottom fell out, the bottom fell out for both of them. Um, Bradway more so uh, than Tannenbaum, but you know you, you had perennial playoff contending teams uh, with some bad years mixed in, uh, but you you had contenders. Um, you know, being a team that's like four wins, five wins, four wins, ten wins, and they make the playoffs, but then the next year it's six wins. Like you didn't. That's not doing good. That's just taking advantage of the the you know typical ups and downs in an NFL season. Like, it's amazing the Jets haven't been in the playoffs since 2010. Like, that's that's not normal. 
you know, you, you should in a 10-year period probably at least make the second round of the playoffs once just by dumb luck. So at some point, um, you know, you, you just have to say, you know, is this working? You know, are you building that team that looks like a perennial contender? Or are you just desperately hoping that the team can maybe make the playoffs and, uh, you know, that that makes it look like you're doing a good job? So, you know, again, speaking about Douglas, and this would apply to, you know, anyone probably in that same position as him right this second. You know, if the Jets got into the playoffs this year, you know, that's great. Um, you know, third wild card, second wild card, you know, whatever it is. Um, you know, if they made the playoffs, that's wonderful. It still doesn't mean they've done a good job. You know, you, you are, you're looking to see what's the, um, you know, what's the ultimate result. You know, because your job is to be a perennial contender. So, you know, my thing with, him or anyone else in that same spot would be, okay, let's make the playoffs this year and your job really should hinge on what you do in 2023. You know, are we back to the playoffs or at least fighting to get in the playoffs or, you know, are we back to being a nobody? Like the Cardinals, the Cardinals are insane for giving those guys those extensions. It's like disappointment, 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 disappointment. Oh, well, we made the playoffs. Look at that. Even though we backed into the playoffs and we got blown out in the playoffs. Like that, that was terrible decisions. Um, you know, so anyway, that that's kind of my, I guess, my take on that. Uh, shoes. When would you estimate a good value for running back in free agency and when drafting? Say Saquon has a year similar to his rookie year. What will he get on the market? So I, yeah, I, I think he would fall into that category probably around 10 somewhere between eight and 10, like Aaron Jones, you know, something like that. Um, Jones's number is probably bigger, but the, the effective value is much lower. It's got funny money on the back end. Um, so I, I, I would guess that's what it would be. Uh, in terms of good value for running back and free agency, I wouldn't want to spend more than, unless he's an exceptional receiver, where maybe I'd spend six. Most likely, I don't think I'd spend more than four on a, a running back in free agency. And in the draft, I don't think you should draft a running back probably until the third or fourth round. Um, I, I wouldn't waste a first or second round pick on him. Uh, let's see. Any other questions or is that it? Uh, let's see. Oh, I think we got one more. How does the ability to trade for Sean Payton interact with the Rooney rule? If you trade him first and then do other interviews, it's obviously a sham. But if you try to interview him before you have his rights, someone could swoop in and trade him for first. Uh, that's a good question. I don't really know how that would work. Um, I'm, I'm going to guess uh, that the way that it would work and it would be a sham process. Um, but it, it would probably work in the way that the Deshaun Watson um, trade went down in the sense that the Saints would give you permission to interview Sean Payton, and that would probably be part of your interview process, and then you would work out compensation for him after the fact. So I, I think you would probably have to go through the process. Um, maybe you'd have to go through the process first, 
and then um, bring him in as one of the last guys. Uh, you know, it, it's see th- this is where that rule I, I think it, it it falls short. Um, there's a handful of coaches uh, because of the pedigree that they have. It's it's kind of silly to to think that there is any benefit that's going to occur from um, you know the, that the the Rooney Rule process. Um, there really isn't, and it's not fair for anybody involved. Um, you know when your competition for a job is like a Hall of Fame coach. It's, and I understand that there's no way that you can make the, um, you know, the Hall of Fame exception, you know, or whatever you wanted to call it to the Rooney Rule. Um, you know, I, I, I don't know how to to handle it, but it's not fair to the people that get interviewed. But I, again, I don't know exactly how it works, but I, I would guess that's the way it would be, and you know, it wouldn't be fair to anybody. It's, it really wouldn't be. Um, you know, because it would be a sham process. You know, you'd be asking people um, probably on your staff to interview for the job and then hoping Peyton would keep them on the staff. Um, you know, that that's pretty crummy. Uh, now, there is a benefit to being interviewed. Um, I know from working with stuff like that, um, there there is a benefit of going through the whole process to be better prepared for the future. Um but you know it, it, it's a it's a kind of a sucky situation. Um, I think if that's how that works out. So anyway, that'll do it for me tonight. We'll see uh, if I do this next weekend. If I do it during the week, if I end up holding off a week, we'll we'll see how it works out. Uh, Nelly, we have anything? Yeah, we're just eating some hay or something. Yep, that's about it. So everybody have a great week, and I'll talk to you all again soon.